Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Another addition to my uh, drunky McDrunkerson collection. Lettuce is a fine topping if you have got like nine things. Don't waste one of your three on we go. lettuce. Both of you probably could use a salad. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield along with Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, Adam Hill. A humanitarian, that's why he got the award. Did you, I, you know, I didn't even notice. Did you walk back outside or you get distracted? You said there was a dog in a car outside. I did. You? At the first break, it was gone. Okay. I told you. Boy, I didn't even see you go. I not only went, I came back in and told you. I'm in La La Land half the time. I got to think about everything I'm going to say during these breaks. In other words, I got nothing. Where are we going? I got distracted. I don't know. Was the dog okay? It was gone. Okay. I um. I just told now. I just told you that 30 seconds ago. I have. I, I was. I was in conversation with uh, Ari. Um, I have something for you in my car. So do not leave before. Uh oh. Yeah. I'm running. No. 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 It's just something helpful. Something helpful. Five o'clock hours here. Silver sevens. Got VGK Hockey on the TVs at the Silver and Gold Bar and the Bud Light Lounge. That's where we do the show from. Big hour of football talk. We're going to try to track down a former Raider quarterback to react to. Derek Carr saying goodbye to Raider Nation this morning. There was a UNLV football press conference today as they have their staff just about complete. And now recruiting starts again tomorrow. Barry Odom, new coach, spoke to the media and one of the questions I absolutely wanted to ask was about, we haven't had a chance to talk to him about what went down with one Bobby Petrino. That's annoying, right? I'd have something to say on that. Michael Rollo from the Las Vegas Sun asked him uh, initially about Bobby Petrino. I've got a lot of respect for Bobby. Um, I hate that he was here for such a short time. I, I thought, honestly, that we would probably have that conversation a year from now because I think we're going to have success. I think we will be good on offense, and I think that would have created opportunities for him. It happens. I, I, I don't like it, but, but it was the, the hand that I was dealt. Uh, it happened really sudden. Uh, it was 5 o'clock, whatever morning that was, that it ended up uh, you know, getting the news release that he told me that he had been contacted the night before. Uh, we talked through that, um, you know, and he made the decision that, that he wanted to, to go ahead and take the job, and then immediately from that point, I got in touch with our current team to let them know, um, and then went full steam ahead on trying to find the right fit for us moving forward. There you go. They found a 30-year-old Brennan Marion at Texas, highly regarded, runs his go-go offense. By the way, we'll have a bunch of one-on-ones that we'll play over the next couple of days with uh, Brennan Marion and special teams coach James Shebest and Michael Scherer, who's the uh, defensive coordinator. I followed up real quick on Petrino, just asking, hey, you know what, he recommended, I'm sure, a bunch of guys. He probably contacted some recruits over his 20 days at UNLV. Like, what happens there? The communication piece, and, you know, fortunately he wasn't here long enough to really develop deep relationships with those guys. So you take that over, you you get in touch with them immediately, and I think anytime in life, if there's a, a void of communication, negativity sets in. I mean, that's human nature. So for us, and me, it's just immediately get in contact with them, let them know, 
you know, don't run from what the truth is. Just tell them what it is, what happened, and knowing that, that we're going to get the, the, the best coach in here for them, and we absolutely did in, in getting Coach Marion hired. I love that. I don't always operate that way. I wish I did, but don't let things fester. Just get to it. it sucks. It's uncomfortable. Let's just talk it out. Man, nobody really knew him. He wasn't here very long. Nobody <laughs> well, I mean, gets ability relationships. We've, we've covered the story of Blake Boda, who's a, a Cocoa Beach, Florida kid, who committed to the program. He committed to Petrino and UNLV. He hasn't really tweeted the last couple of days. Last we uh, talked to his quarterback coach, Balin Trujillo. He said, you know, the kid still wants to come. The school told him that, you know, they want him. I've had people, you know, around the program tell me the school does want to honor the commit. Boda did tweet out the other day that he got offered by Coastal Carolina. He has not announced anything since, so we'll see. I would hope he visits this weekend. It's another big weekend of visits for UNLV football. Yeah, it's a, it's a big time coming up for sure, and uh, a lot of work will have to be done. A lot of work does have to be done. I think they're embracing that. So news of the day today is Derek Carr uh, says goodbye. Um, we kind of all knew this was coming, but on social media he says goodbye to Raider Nation. I got a chance to talk to uh, one of the ESPN national hosts. She's now got her own show. Amber Wilson's doing a show with uh, Joe Fortenbaugh, actually in this time slot. So you know, make sure you listen to the archives of that. Or if uh, we're boring you, you go to the ESPN app. You can listen to Joe and Amber. And I started off the conversation just getting her reaction on this breakup with Derek Carr and the Raiders. Oh, yes. Um, what a – interesting situation that you guys have out there. Um, I don't like it. I mean, I've been one who has been pretty high on Derek Carr throughout his career, often calling him one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league, obviously absent this year. But this feels like the fall guy for Josh McDaniel's first season. I hope it's not too ugly of a breakup because it would be a lot easier for you guys if he was able to work with you uh, after that February 15th deadline in order to get traded because once that extension kicks in then he has all the control with the no trade clause but just what a situation with Derek Carr who last year we were crediting him with writing the ship you know for a franchise that had gone through so much adversity last season and now witnessing it from the outside looking in I mean just an ugly situation and I don't know what the Raiders do from here because I don't think that there's an easy answer I don't I know the relationship there between McDaniels and Jimmy Garoppolo stemming back to New England. I mean, is Garoppolo better than Derek Carr? I would say no. And then you have durability concerns there. I don't really believe in the Tom Brady angle, 46 years old. I don't really know why he'd want any part of that division. He's always benefited from finding himself in the worst division in football, no matter where he is. So I don't think there's an easy answer. I don't know if Josh McDaniels has three years to develop a quarterback, if you're drafting a quarterback, and that's the plan. Frankly, uh, I'm interested to see from the outside what ends up happening there in Vegas. Amber Wilson is with us from ESPN National. What do you think is a good landing spot for Derek Carr uh, if this is over? Where should he land? Well, I think there's a lot of suitors, uh, and I think that he really should carefully consider where he can go, obviously, and and have some instant success because this past season was such a disappointment and otherwise a, a, a good NFL career. I was going to say decent NFL career, but a good NFL career. I think that there's a few spots that he could consider. I, I think that situation in Carolina is interesting. Are they done with Darnold, though? Uh, you know, I, I don't love uh, the prospects in Indy, but certainly you have help there in the backfield and you do have some weapons obviously with a lot of these destinations what are you talking about in terms of the coaching staff and that's going to be a huge problem 
for Derek Carr when he's evaluating his options. But I do think that there will be a bunch of suitors coming after him. And I would imagine, frankly, that they're already having those conversations internally because, I mean, if Derek Carr can work out a trade with the Raiders and they can kind of all sing kumbaya and work it all out together, it's best case scenario for everybody involved. I just, I mean, you know more than me, but it feels like that the emotions in that situation would be running very high and making things difficult. Yeah, on one side. I mean, I don't think there's any emotions on the side of McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. I think that's why Mark Davis brought him in because he was tired of having the emotions be a big part of decision-making. So we'll see if Camp Carr will kind of calm down after uh, he walked away for a, a couple of weeks. Around the division, I'm curious because I'm very much in the minority on this one. I think the Broncos' job is a good job. I think Russell Wilson is a billion percent salvageable, but I, I keep hearing over and over who would want that job to be saddled with Russell Wilson. I think it's actually a good job as well. We were just, Joe Fortenbaugh and I on our show, we were just debating about this yesterday. I actually called it out of the jobs that we know are currently available, not, of course, including some of the jobs that, you know, may, like the Chargers or the Cowboys, that, you know, may come up Washington. But the ones that we know currently right now are available on this coaching carousel, I still would put Denver at the top of those jobs. Now, it depends who you are, you know, maybe – if you're an upstart, you aren't as interested in trying to revamp Russell Wilson's career. But you are talking about a proven vet that we have 10 years that we can look at. I mean, a Hall of Fame career in Seattle. And we're going to take after 10 years, one season and where he's played himself out of that conversation. I have a hard time believing that he's fallen off the cliff this dramatically. Yes, I do think he's hit a little bit of a decline. We're talking about a player, though, who's not even 35 years old yet, and we just never see it at that age off the cliff like that after that long of a career. There's guys like the Cam Newtons and RG3s of the world that fell off cliffs, but they didn't have the career sustainability before that that Russell Wilson had. We've never seen anything like it. It gives me hope that, sure, maybe he's not going to be 2015 Russell Wilson, but that you could still get enough out of him to do a lot of winning with him on what was supposed to be a Broncos team a quarterback away. I never fully brought, bought into that, but I know that that's how a lot of people had slated the Broncos going into this season. I think it's a good job. Obviously, you know, a good place to live, a good organization, and you got a whole lot of money from ownership behind you. So I'm with you on that one. Amber Wilson is up on Cofield and Company. You know, it's funny, the AFC West going into the year, we're talking about this being one of the great divisions in the history of football. But when you see how it plays out, it's one really stable organization with an awesome quarterback and three unstable organizations. And I'll even say that about the Chargers, because I still feel like with Brandon Staley, if the Chargers uh, get blown out against the Jaguars, there will be talk uh, and you know requests and wishes for Staley to get blown out and for Dean Spanos to go for a big fish like Sean Payton. It's a weird situation in L.A. It's a strange situation in L.A. We've been talking about it for a while now. Obviously, a lot of this comes down to how Staley handles things, the play calling, the fourth downs. It's kind of the same conversation that we have about McCarthy right in Dallas. I don't know, though, with the Chargers, them making the postseason, is that enough? I felt like initially when they made the postseason, yes, that's enough. Now, now Staley got to the point that he needs to get. Now, if he doesn't win in the postseason, we'll have this conversation again. Next season, I thought he bought himself another season from getting there. I feel a little less confident about that now with this idea of Sean Payton out there. If I'm Payton, that's a job that I would be salivating over because, of course, who you have under center there and where that, you know, the sky's the limit, it seems like, for Justin Herbert and the other weapons you have and the weapons that you have on that defense as well. I just don't know. Is the postseason enough? It's, you know, I think if it's not Payton, 
then it's enough. But if Sean Payton is seriously interested in your organization, then I think maybe Brandon Staley's job is in jeopardy of the Jags blow them out. Amber Wilson is with us here on ESPN Las Vegas. You can find her on Twitter at Amber W Sports. He did a uh, awesome job as Jack of all trades filling in on ESPN National for the last year and a half or so. And now she's got her own show. So you can listen to that up on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber is rolling out. All right. Last couple of things to close on here. Uh, you are a Miami person. You are, I think, a Dolphins fan. You talk about it. I mean, what a crash to the end of the season. What a freaking bummer. They make the playoffs, and now the options behind Tua are not great. We just officially got the word that Tua is not playing. He has not apparently cleared concussion protocol, so Coach Mike McDaniel did reveal today that he is not going to play in this game against the Buffalo Bills. You can imagine, as a Dolphins fan, how good I feel about my chances up there in Buffalo. (laughs) Not very good. I am supposed to be at that game, Um, you know, the experience not so much for the win uh it's more you know it's an experience this at uh, this time with Skylar Thompson under center yeah I I, I obviously feel ter- terrible about the direction that this Dolphins team went I mean we bought into it weeks ago everybody bought into this Dolphins team and then the way that things went and largely due to the health of Tua and then also Bridgewater I mean they have a backup who also can't stay healthy it's like death taxes and the entire quarterback room with the Miami Dolphins being injured at the same time. You cannot have that moving forward. If they're going to move forward with Tua Tungvaloa, then you have to at least have a backup that is a very durable, viable backup. And I think a veteran presence, because you know that backup, unfortunately, or so it seems from Tua's career and his career in college, whoever you have sitting behind Tua is going to play a lot. So if the Dolphins are going to continue to move forward with Tua, which I would say that they are, I think that you move forward with Tua, I think you don't pay him. I think you watch Herbert get paid out of that draft. You watch Burrow get paid out of that draft. What's the point right now of handing him an extension? We don't need to do that. You can rock with him, see how it goes next season, evaluate it. You could even continue fourth and then eventually pick up his fifth-year option. I mean, we just watched them do it in New York, right? Like, you don't have to pay the guy or give him the extension, even though we're accustomed to seeing that. Answer those questions here over the next couple of years about the durability concerns when it comes to Tua, but make sure you have a very, very, very good backup plan because you're going to need them, and Skylar Thompson ain't it. Skylar Thompson ain't it. That's Amber Wilson, Joe and Amber, now on five days a week, one of the new national shows, and Amber's really good. She's been a guest with us before, uh, an attorney, uh, did a lot of sports radio in Florida, and she completely nails it there. I don't know if that's going to be easy to manage, but she completely nails it there with Tua. He, sorry, it's mean. Like, I'm rooting for the guy to not get more concussions, but because he's gone down so often, you can't give him a long-term deal right now. He ain't Joe Burrow, and in spite of Emmanuel Acho doing his bit for a while, he ain't Justin Herbert. And she's also right on the front that if two is around as a starter, they got to get, I don't know who it is, Minshew Mania. Whoever is more reliable than Teddy Bridgewater behind him. you got to get someone who's kind of durable who's going to be available. I would say uh, Chase Daniel, but uh, he doesn't want to play. He just wants to be on the team. He doesn't want to play. Sorry. I loved, I mentioned it earlier in the week. I don't know if you were watching the Chargers game real closely, but when they weren't pulling Herbert, James Lofton just started this whole narrative like, I don't think Chase Daniel has a helmet. And then the play-by-play guy's like, oh, I'm sure he does. And it was like, he's joking. And then James just kept piling on. He's like, show me, where, where is it? He's like, I don't think he has a helmet. Like, he doesn't want to play. Or he doesn't want to, not that he was, doesn't want to play, but, like, he's never expected to play. I mean, I was watching it very closely for a couple of reasons. One being my love of. 
Brandon Staley was dissipating very, very quickly. It made it tough to defend him, and now we've got word officially that Mike Williams is out this weekend. I thought so, he's questionable. Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, hey, you know what? It, that wasn't a great source. Let me let me find. It was a an NFL news aggregator, so I'm sure it's sourced from somewhere, but sure. it didn't it didn't actually source the report that Williams is out. I mean, I I think he's on the doubtful side. Yeah, but I didn't think they made that official yet. Maybe they did. I missed it, but um, I I think it was a preposterous decision. Yeah. Uh, by Brandon Staley on Sunday, and they're paying the price. And by it's the actually, way, it's actually did, very, still didn't get the win. It's actually very consistent with what he's done in games where they've been way ahead. Because you know, I, I watch the Chargers a lot because uh, my uh, lady friend is a Chargers fan, and there's been there's been some games where they're way ahead, and I'm like, what is he doing here? I mean, get it. It's like eight minutes left. You're up three touchdowns. Let's pull off the gas pedal here and get Eckler and Herbert, and you know, especially like Keenan Allen out, Joey Bosa. Both both came to the sideline was grimacing. Everyone's like, "What? What is going on?" Just baffling, absolutely baffling. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt McGloin, former Raider quarterback, coming up here in about fifteen minutes, and I want to get to again the national coverage of Derek Carr and the possibilities that Derek Carr is going to be traded. I I don't think people are looking at the contract. I don't think they know the the true situation. This is not going to be easy for the Raiders. 777 gets you two hot dogs, two bags of chips, and a 22-ounce Bud, Bud Light, or Michelob Ultra Draft on Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. It's Spencer, open to the lead. Yes! Cam Spencer does it again! Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's with Cofield and Company. That was a good Big Ten game last night. Big Ten Network on the call there. Northwestern falling. Monumental. Against Rutgers. Got to win games on the road. You do. Right? Got to win games on the road. I think in the Big Ten, you get to 10 wins. Unless you were horrific in the non-con, you're guaranteed to make the NCAA tournament. But if you want a good seed... You got to win games on the road, so that was a Rutgers victory over Northwestern. By the way, Michigan's off to a now they're an example of a team that didn't have a great non-con, but they're off to a three and one start. Are they playing right now? They are. They're up seven in Oof. the second half, but now up four. That doesn't well. The up four makes me happy. Oh, no, 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 never mind. Sorry, they're not. Are they good? No. They kind of got hurt badly at guard because they uh, they had gotten, what, Llewellyn in from Princeton? And then yeah. he went a transfer, and he went down after eight games. Yeah. So they're re- they're very talented up they've, front. They've got some very talented players. They've got, some, as you said, some good, some good guys in the front court that struggle at the guard position. But trying to figure it out, they've got more individual talent than they have team success right now. So we'll see if they can put it together. Uh, Ruffins is one of their good guards, right? Up eight. Okay. Up eight. We'll um, take it. Probably could have used Frankie Collins, hometown guy. But he transferred to Arizona State. Sure. They're playing well. Yeah. So I, I saw we were talking about Derek Carr all day because he said goodbye to Raider Nation on social media. And I saw, I mean, people can, I guess they can throw stuff out maybe not knowing or maybe knowing what the situation is, but just looking to start a conversation. So I'm not sure what Ross Tucker was doing in this case. Ross does a lot of Westwood One, does a bunch of podcasts, including one with uh, one of our local gambling dudes, one of my favorites, Fezzik. And Ross Tucker tweeted out, is there any logical reason Derek Carr should waive his no-trade clause 
just force the Raiders to cut you by 214 so you can pick your new team and get a better contract. And the new team doesn't have to give up assets for you. Field Yates, NFL expert, tweeted out the contract details, and maybe he's wrong on this, Adam. You can tell me, but uh, if a team were to trade for Derek Carr, here's what they'd owe him on his current deal. Um, basically, next three years, cap hit of $33 million, 42 and near 42 Is there some nuance in there? Because if you go back to what Ross Tucker said, Ross, this is why right. teams may not trade for him, and your notion that he'll get a better deal? Well, that's, that's, that's three years... And what? In terms of the money, I mean, it's right there. There's a workout bonus, but, but I, that's that's three I, years and un, just under $120 million. I mean, there's there's nuance in between those because I, I think that only $7 million of the second season will be guaranteed as of February 15th. So it's not like the entire thing becomes guaranteed. Uh, but, yeah, if you if you are willing to trade for him to take on this contract, then Derek Carr should help facilitate, facilitate a trade to get locked into this contract. Do you That's believe why he is it them. younger and associates? Who's the who's the who, who's yeah. the agency? Am I missing uh-huh. part of it? Younger. Um, do you think they believe they can get? I mean, as you're describing it, what's guaranteed here? About forty mil. About forty mil. Okay. That that's the question. So, so they, they, when somebody they, says, "Why would he help them?" It would be not to help them. It would be to get into that contract. Um, if he thinks that there's more money out there as a free agent, where he could pick his own spot then, yeah, you would say, just go ahead and cut me so I can sign a bigger contract. So that's the discrepancy here. Does he think that there's, there'd be more available to him in the open market than there would be in that contract? I would say absolutely not. But if they believe that, then they should force the Raiders to cut him. Logic would dictate absolutely not, but there's a, there's more than a few illogical NFL teams. I think absolutely. there's a couple of – I don't want to call them dumb because getting Derek Carr isn't dumb – but paying a super high price is dumb. I think the Jets would do it. Well, if you, if you think the Jets would do it, then yeah. Then go to the Raiders and say, trade me to the Jets or cut me so I can go sign with the Jets. I I think Ursay would do it. I don't. I think they've learned from the last two years. Have they? Probably. Okay. I hope they have. Maybe not. You know how it works in the National Football League. I don't think the Colts are a bad, bad organization. The Jets have been, but... Teams get real squirrely in the offseason. They start looking around. They're like, wait, wait, what's going on here? Like, our chair's still empty. Who's left? Eh. Yeah. and that I, Freak out time. You know, I mentioned I was just on um, earlier today with uh, in New Orleans, and they, they asked about what is the market. And I said, well, I don't think it would be necessarily robust. But you do have that chance, if you're Derek Carr, if you just let the market kind of settle and wait for that whoever that last team is in the musical chairs game that is completely desperate, and they believe they're a quarterback away, that's how you could create a market potentially for yourself. Now, you run the risk, obviously, of nobody's waiting for a quarterback. Everybody's either drafted one or signed one or picked one up, and then that becomes a different scenario. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that, that, the, that the market, uh, at least originally, would probably not be you know blowing Derek Carr away. Uh, if, if they do feel that they can do better than this on the open market, I, I would say go ahead, force them to cut you. Look, Derek Carr should not do any favors to the Raiders. Absolutely not. He should do favors for himself. And whatever he thinks he can get, wherever he thinks he can get better, whether that's keeping the original contract in, you know, intact or making them cut him and going out and find a better one, that's what he should do. And, you know, I saw there was some – some uh, beat writers earlier today kind of going back and forth and disagreeing on whether Derek Carr would extend that trade deadline. 
and uh, one reporter said, you know, if they were able to work out a trade, because the other complicating factor, I know we've mentioned this, but just to bring it up again, Derek Carr's contract becomes guaranteed three days after the Super Bowl, but you can't make a trade until a month after that. So if you made a trade and said, okay, we're going to trade him to you, so we're going to let this contract become guaranteed, you would have to hope over that month that the other team doesn't back out. So you'd put a lot of faith in that because the other team could easily just say with no repercussions, just say, no, we're, we're, we're changing our mind, we pass. And now you're stuck with that guaranteed contract. So you have to have some faith. So I, I saw one reporter saying there's no way that they would extend, that Derek Carr's camp would extend that contract. There's no way they extend the deadline, no chance. And another one said, well, if a trade can be worked out, then they would extend that deadline. I think both are right. Like they're not going to extend it for nothing. But if there is a trade in place, I think that they would say, okay, yeah, we'll go ahead and give you that extra time and say that the contract doesn't become guaranteed until the first day of the league year so that they eliminate that chance of a team backing out. Sign up for an A-Play card and receive a guaranteed $10 in free play with a chance to win up to $150 in free play at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. Carr has a no-trade clause. What is his incentive to work with you? He's better off getting cut, and if he can veto any trade, then I, I don't understand why he wouldn't. You trade him to a team he wants to go to, great. No, fine, I'll just sign with that team. You don't get any picks, and I can renegotiate a whole new contract with him. The no-trade clause gives him the power here, and, and assuming he's willing to exercise it, and again, I don't know why he wouldn't, my guess is they would have to cut him. at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. It's Cofield and Company. Yep, we're at the front edge of uh, what's going to happen with Derek Carr and the Raiders. We know Derek Carr is going elsewhere. He announced that on social media this morning. Thanked Raider Nation. That whole contract thing, Ab and I were just talking about some of the details and, you know, if there's the belief that he's going to get a bigger deal that he actually could kind of opt into if he worked with the Raiders. So we'll, we'll continue on that. Matt McGloin is in. He played for the Raiders. Worked a lot with Derek Carr. He's a big fan of Derek Carr. So, Matt, how you doing, first of all? Hey, guys. How are you? Appreciate you having me on. We're great. We're great. And, you know, I really wanted to lean on you as a guy who knows Derek and, you know, really uh, admires him. And um, what did today feel like for you? I don't even know if you saw his, uh, you know, his social media stuff early in the day. But, you know, unique day for a guy who, you know, has been with the Raiders his entire career. Yeah, you know, look, obviously it's it's a it, it's a tough day I think for for Raiders fans. Obviously, it's got to be a difficult time for for him and and what he's going through. But, you know, look, you, you when I look back at it, you know what I mean? Obviously, this is a guy who is a Raider and will always be a Raider. And what he was able to do for the organization for 9 years, I mean, you can't say that about a lot of players. You can't say that a lot about a quarterback. I mean, you know, the way he approached the game day in and day out, you know, obviously I spent 4 years with the Raiders three of those years as, as Derek's backup. So I saw the work day in and day out. Um, certainly saw the ups and downs, but what I saw a guy that was consistent, guy that was motivated, guy that was excited, guy that was passionate, not passionate, not just passionate about playing quarterback or playing in the NFL, but was passionate about being a Raider. Um, you know, but, and, and on top of that too, guys, I mean, look, he throws, he's thrown for over 35,000 yards, better than two to one touchdown interception ratio. And it's, you know, completion percentage is well over 60. So, I mean, this is a guy that's been able to do it year in and year out. He's been extremely consistent. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, the Raiders have moved on, but in no way, shape, or form do I think Derek Carr's career is finished. Is there one or two things you can point to that he, Derek Carr, should be most proud of? Is it on the field? Is it off the field? What is it? 
You know, I, I think when you look at it, it, it's just the way he was able to lead his teammates. Um, you know, uh, the way he was able to communicate with all his teammates, um, the way he was able to get the best out of his teammates. Um, just a happy guy, you know, and, and you know, it, it's, it, it's easy to be a teammate of his because he's very motivating. Um, he brings out the best in you, um, you know, makes you want to work every single day. Um, you know, so I think when you talk about guys in their careers, obviously the performance and the play itself is certainly extremely important. Uh, but what type of person were they? What type of guy were they? You know, and, um, you know, Derek's one of the best guys that, you know, I had the chance to play with and, you know, the chance to be around on a daily basis. And it's those, are the, those guys are not just great players, but they're great leaders. Matt McGlynn's with us, former Raider. Should some Raiders fans, especially the really big Derek Carr fans, be sour at the Raiders over the split? Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, look, it is what it is. Um, you know, uh, again, you go back to Derek's nine years and, you know, uh, gave it all to the organization. Um, but, you know, we see this time and time again. We see this year in and year out in the NFL. Um, at the end of the day, it is a performance-based business. Um, and, you know, uh, front office, head coaches, general managers, owners, they're going to do what they think is best for the team and best for the future of the team. Um, that, that means trading quarterbacks, releasing quarterbacks, and, and moving on and, you know, trying to, trying to win football games. And, you know, unfortunately it is what it is. But, again, as a, a professional football player, you understand that. You understand that's part of the game. Um, you know, and, again, like I said, you know, uh, I still think Derek has a lot of great football left in him. Matt McGloin's with us. Yeah, I'm glad you went there because that's kind of where I was heading next. I would assume, you know, albeit, you know, it's a moment when you get emotional and, you know, the last couple of weeks Derek was not with the team. But he had to – there had to be part of him thinking, man, uh, there may be a change soon. Because I, I think the organization – I think Mark Davis kind of signaled where they might go in a general direction by bringing in Josh McDaniels, by bringing in Dave Ziegler and bringing in the Patriots way, which when you talk about the NFL being a business – I mean, that's, if, you're, if you're bringing in Patriots, guys, you know there's not going to be a whole lot of emotion. When they want to make moves and move forward, they're going to move. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, and look, obviously, you know, I've had the chance to play for a guy that has had success in, in the Patriots organization, and that's Bill O'Brien. Um, you know, Bill was the head coach at Penn State in 2012, which was my fifth and, and final year at Penn State. So, you know, in a way, I understood how they – that you know, New England tree operated in a way where listen, here's what it is. We demand this out of you every single day. We demand you know you to be at your best day in and day out. You know we expect top performances day in and day out. We expect you to be well prepared day in and day out. I mean, and look, obviously you play the game to win. You know and that's 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 the number one thing, and that's the mentality. So I mean, look, obviously if things aren't going right, you know, inside of your organization, inside of your team, you're going to do the things. That, that, that are necessary to put the right people in place, to bring in the right people, to, to lead your team into the future and, and to help your football team win games and help your team be successful. Matt, if, if you know, Derek Carter is obviously going to move on now. He said he's, he was going to go play somewhere else and continue his career. Do you believe he is capable of winning a Super Bowl somewhere else, and what does he need in place to do that? Well, you know, look, it's, you know, it's, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks are capable of winning Super Bowls, but sure. it's just not. It's not a lot of it is on the quarterback, but not all of it's on the quarterback. It's about your team. It's about who you who who you're you're surrounded with as well. You know, I mean, I've always thought Derek was one of the more gifted throwers of the football, um, you know, that I've been around. But it, it takes a team. It takes a unit. 
um, you know, to be able to do things like that. So, you know, does he have the talent, um, you know, to lead a team to the Super Bowl? Yeah, he does. You know, does he have the talent to win a lot of football games? Yeah, he does. But it's just, it's about being able to put it all together. It's about being consistent, about doing it every single week. And it's about understanding, you know, what it takes to win and finding that and, and knowing that and, and being able to understand that, you know, and, and like, obviously, you know, NFL games are, are you know, it's, a lot of them are one-score games, so it's what you do in moments, it's what you do in situations, it's understanding when that moment or that situation happens in a game and being able to be successful in that moment. Matt McGloin is with us, former Raiders quarterback, uh, doing a bunch of media work now with uh, SiriusXM, uh, also calls Big Ten Network games. He does the Pay Dirt podcast on Penn State football, which I'll uh, get to a couple of Penn State notes here in just a second. So one of the things we've discussed a lot about Derek Carr's next spot is making sure he picks the right spot. And one thing I always wondered here in Vegas and back in Oakland with the media, I think there are times that Derek gets unnecessarily involved with the media, and I call it punching down. Um, there's just no point to it. And I, I wonder, because I'm a Jets fan, and I wonder if Derek is a match for you know a place in the Northeast Corridor where the media is just – I mean, you know, it's intense, and the, the, the group is large. And if you say one thing where you go at him, they may never forget it. So should he be especially selective in terms of the market he goes to because of the intensity of the fans and the media? No, I don't. I, look, I don't think so. I mean, it is what it is. You know, um, you're going to deal with media wherever you play. You're, you're going to have critics wherever you're going to play. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's your job to be able to ignore that noise, uh, to be able to focus on your job, to be able to control what you can control. And, I mean, it's it's about the best position for Derek. It's about the best position for the organization. Um, where does he fit best? You know, I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think he should make a decision based off of where, you know, the media is friendly versus the media not being friendly. Right. Uh, Jets, Titans, Saints, Colts. Adam, who else do you have on the list? That's the quick list so far. Okay, okay. Do you have a place you look at and you're like, hey, that's that place, they're ready to win with a stable, you know, top half of the league quarterback, potentially a top ten quarterback when he plays well? Yeah, oh, I mean, gosh. Um, you know, I mean, uh, look, I mean, uh, I mean, Tennessee I think would be a great fit for him, you know, depending on what they do at the offensive coordinator position. Um, you know, but, but you know, look, all, all great organizations. I mean, listen, guys, at the end of the day, they have the opportunity to be able to select where you want to play next. Right. When it comes to that, it's a very fortunate position for Derek to be in. Um, you know, but it's going to be about fit. You know, for me, it would just be about, you know, where you feel most comfortable, um, where you feel like you can help make an immediate impact, where you can help contribute from day one, and where you think you can lead um, your team day in and day out. Um, you know, and again, when you have a guy like Derek Carr, um, you know, a guy that's been one of the more consistent quarterbacks in the NFL, has played in a lot of games, thrown for a lot of yardage, won some big games, thrown for a lot of touchdowns. I think regardless of the situation with your organization, whether you're winning football games or you're losing football games, you're not, you're not bringing him in just to bring him in. You're bringing him in to change your team and to change your organization. Um, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see what he decides to do. Um, you know, but, uh, but it's, listen, it's good to have options if, if you're an NFL yeah. quarterback. Yes, yes. A lot of quarterbacks don't get that choice uh, as they separate from an organization. You know, a lot of times they're uh, – then they're really looking hard for the next job, and they're not getting paid, uh, you know, what they should be at the next job. All right, a couple of college football questions. Uh, Matt McGloin's with us, SiriusXM, ESPNU, Big Ten Radio. 
When you see the reaction to Georgia winning, they win 65-7, and all of a sudden we go right back into SEC, SEC, and, oh, there's only three good programs in the country, and it may include Ohio State and, you know, and Michigan and Georgia, I guess more than three, uh, Alabama. When you hear that, like, hey, college football has no balance, SEC all the way, you played in, you know, with Penn State, you follow the Big Ten. What do you start thinking of when, when media and fans are just like, hey, this sport is so imbalanced? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't necessarily think so. I don't. I don't really believe that. I mean, look, obviously, the SEC is is about as strong. You know, is the strongest. Um, you know, in the nation, obviously, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, they've all been able to prove that. But you know, you look at what Ohio State was able to do against Georgia and the opportunity to win that game. You know, I think you look at the way Michigan has played not just this year but uh, last year as well. Um, and you look at even a school like Penn State. I mean, having the opportunity. To, to be beating Ohio State in the third quarter, then you know obviously lost that game unfortunately for Penn State. But I think those three are right there. Um, you know, uh, look, the top of the Big Ten I think can be just as strong as the top of the SEC here in twenty three. When I start looking at futures, I want to make sure that I have a, a, a quarterback, a good quarterback, a quarterback that I know. So we don't exactly know what Georgia has in this kid back. I mean, he's a highly touted dude, and he played. You know, in uh, in uh, late game situations, he played pretty well in the national title game. We know Alabama's got some talent behind Bryce Young, and then there's there's Penn State. When I was looking at the national title board, I'm like their number's pretty pretty high there. Uh, you know, like thirty thirty five to one. This is crazy because Sean Clifford is like intangibles guy, but Drew Aller really is like he's one of those guys on that level of you know five star dude. What's a transition like for them at quarterback, and you know with the young running backs. Can he compete for a national title next year? Uh, I think they belong in the conversation. Now, there's a difference between being in the conversation and then actually having a chance to compete. Uh, defensively, I think they have more depth than anybody else in the Big Ten. Um, offensive line has gotten better. They need to find a wide receiver or two to be able to step up and become playmakers for them. Obviously, the running back spot, you have arguably the best one-two punch in America. But, yeah, a lot of it falls on Drew Allar. Now, Drew Allar... You know, he needs to deliver now. Um, he needs to perform now. Expectations are certainly high. Expectations are almost unfair in a way for a guy like Allard. But he is brought in to be the guy to make the throw Sean Clifford was not able to make. And that's nothing against Sean Clifford because Sean Clifford had a great career. He did a great job. They just won the Rose Bowl. But he's brought in to make the throws against Michigan. He's brought in now to make the throws against Ohio State and to win those games so that Penn State has a chance to get to the Big Ten Championship game, get to the playoffs, and you know, he is looked at now as that guy to take Penn State to, to that elite level that only few teams are able to get to. You know, I try to follow recruiting as much as possible and keep up with the transfer portal. You know, I'm around UNLV, so I follow that a lot. I went to Rutgers, so I follow that a lot. Um, I don't even remember what is, – is Franklin very much into the portal? Because you mentioned some of the holes. Is he going to go on the portal and grab experienced guys to fill spots? You know, I think they're going to have to. I think they're, I think they're one of these programs that, that are going to supplement – um, you know, with that, they're still going to believe in recruiting, it seems like. Um, but then if they need something somewhere, they'll go to the portal, like wide receiver, maybe go to the, up the portal to get some offensive line guys to build some depth. Um, you know, I know they got a, I think they got a cornerback um, in the portal. So, uh, look, I think they're still going to recruit, 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 and try to develop. But if they need something to build depth or they need to bring in a guy who's got some experience uh, that's able to hit the ground running at Penn State, then I think they'll go to the portal to do so. Last one. Matt, you're not old. You might have a lot of football left in you. I'm not saying NFL for you now, but you know we have an XFL team coming here, the Vegas Vipers, that 
starting up next week. They play games a month later. You still got it? You still want it? You want XFL again? <laughs> Come on now. Well, I'd like to... Man, I, can, I like to believe I can still throw it, uh, you know. But now I've, uh, I'm done. I'm done, guys. Listen, I, I've given it. I've given it a good run. You know, it was a great career. Enjoyed my time at Penn State. Enjoyed my time in the NFL. And enjoyed, you know, the the XFL. Um, you know, in, in 2020 there. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of the game now. <laughs> Are we crazy to be super excited about you know uh, you know a minor league football league that involves the Rock? Like, are we actually going to have a minor league? Uh, you know, XFL in this case, that's going to last eight, ten years and be a real breeding ground for the guys who are trying to make it to the highest level. I hope so because, look, there's a lot of talented guys there. They just need that extra year to gain experience, how to watch film, how to be a professional, um, how to do the things necessary day in and day out to become the best possible player that you can be. Unfortunately, you don't get that chance a lot of times in the NFL, depending on where you're drafted or if you're undrafted and things like that. So an extra year in the XFL to get – to get uh, game tape, um, to understand to truly how to be a pro, understand what professional coaches want out of you, understand the playbook, can change a lot of these guys' lives moving forward. So there's absolutely a place for, for, for the XFL. Matt, you're awesome. Glad you're doing well, and thanks for coming on on short notice. Anytime, guys. Thank you. There he is, Matt McGloin doing SiriusXM, former Penn State quarterback, former Raider quarterback. When do you start on the XFL beat? When do you start pumping out like five, six stories a week? What's going on here? When they play? Okay. I mean, we, we've talked to a player almost every week. you got some features there. I mean, I expect you to do a big blowout on Luis Perez, one of the quarterbacks, and his bowling background. I could do that. He told me he had a 230 average, and he, he actually walked away from high school football late because he had a potential pro bowling career. He had a, he had a way. That's I a good angle, man. Talked to him about it. You did? At the draft, sure. I miss bowling. I, I got to get back to it. I didn't see you out there at the draft. That's a good point. You're, you're more on the beat than I am. Get 77-cent bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra on Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Closing things out here at Silver 7's hockey game tonight, Golden Knights, and the Panthers in town if you watch the game here at one of the two bars, 77-cent beers. Bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra. You can also check out the City Cafe. Expanding hours just about every month. A different menu as well, so check out the City Cafe, one of the uh, legendary restaurant spots in all of Las Vegas here on Flamingo and Paradise. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Do you see – I mean, you're still pretty young. Do you see in the next 10 years the possibility that you go – completely meatless and go all like fake meat vegan could you can you make the transition i don't i don't think well maybe i mean it would it would require more so the availability than anything else yeah and the price too yeah it's actually kind of pricey yeah like, i'm not opposed to it necessarily like i think i'm gonna have to do it eventually getting older and being a lard ass like i think it'll help i don't so, i don't i don't i don't necessarily think it's healthier that's that's a good point that's a good point. I don't. I don't know. I don't know yet. Uh, but just in comparison, today, the significant other likes to order from a, a, a vegan place, and she got a uh, you know fake meat burger. I'm a road eater, so I, I ate it on the road. It was pretty solid. I slathered it a bit in some spicy barbecue sauce. 
it was pretty good. And and, bacon, and the tex- real bacon. No, not real bacon. <laughs> and the texture the texture was pretty good. Like it could pass. But last night, uh, because I'm not a healthy eater, when I got home from the UNLV basketball game, I fired up the barbecue, and I made one of the burgers that I got. Man, Justin Watkins is very generous. Our yep. legal insider, he gave me some elk meat, and I made an elk meat burger. Man, it was good. It was really good. And I can't cook for crap, although cooking a burger shouldn't be that hard. I'm pretty, I'm it pretty was good really chef. good. So I'm a good chef. I knock it out. You're not. I mean, you, you can't you can't cook a burger? No. No. Really? I'm sure I could. Capable of it. You throw it in a frying pan and wait till it's done. Okay. I mean, the, I wouldn't the, have the, any idea when to take it off or how how long it's supposed to well, be on could, there. I mean, you could get a the meat thermometer and cook it to a certain temperature. What That's temperature? Easy. Um, depends on how well done you want it. I'm, I'm already out. I'm out. I, I did pretty good medium rare. It was good, man. It was juicy. Damn you, fake burgers. I know it's in my future. I know it's in my future.